You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. This is a new podcast combining discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know... Starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. <laughs> I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome back to another episode of Distilling Theology. Thanks for joining us, guys. It has been a fun adventure these last few months, and now we're looking forward to 2020. Justin, how are you doing today, buddy? You know, I am doing well. I am doing considerably better than you based on the sound of your cold. Uh, So I am (laughs) praying for you that you uh, recover quickly. Thank you. Um, But I am doing well. How are you doing besides your sickness? Other than that, man, I'm really blessed. God is good. I've been able... Recently, actually, to reconnect with some old family friends, um, people who we haven't seen regularly for a while. So that's been a real blessing. And I've also been enjoying some of my new books Mm. and, uh, you know, starting to think about what I'm going to be doing in the coming year, as it is that time when we think of such things. Indeed, it is. As we approach New Year's. (laughs) Well, before I jump right into that, let's talk quickly about what we're sipping tonight. Tonight we'll be tasting Blade and Bow Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, and this is an homage to the Stitzel Weller Distillery, which is a staple of Louisville, Kentucky. They were distilling from 1935 until I believe 1992 when distillation stopped. So Blade and Bow has two different expressions. They have a 22-year-old American whiskey and uh, this one that is not age stated that we have in our hand today. For Patreon, you can see it's got a lovely bottle with a little key on it. <laughs> And apparently, the five keys of Blade and Bow once hung on the front door of the iconic Stitzel Weller Distillery. These heavy brass keys represented the five steps of crafting bourbon and symbolized the art of making the world's finest whiskeys. Now I want some brass keys for my door to symbolize the, the five steps of podcasting. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the five solos. Or the five points of Calvinism. Yep. We have a lot of fives. <laughs> well, what are we getting on the nose? There's definitely... Because I can't smell. Yeah. <laughs> Since you can't smell, I'll speak for our noses here. <laughs> Speaking on behalf of our noses, there's definitely... You definitely get honey, some oak. There's some peachiness to it, some citrus... I was going to say, actually, I, so I can't smell much, but I do get like a little bit of fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's almost like a hay smell to it, like when you're out like in a field Yeah. in the fall, which is kind of yeah. nice. It's refreshing well, and it feels crisp. Let's taste this and get into the episode. Cheers. That is pleasant. That is very pleasant, especially at 45.5% alcohol by volume. Mm. Um, It's a little warmer or has a little bit more kick to it than a lot of American whiskeys. There's there's like vanilla, pepper, oak. There's a little bit of spice to it. Yeah. It's not as fruity as the nose makes it seem like it's going to be. Right, right. I I still feel a little bit of peachiness to it, but like Mm. other than that, it just really kind of becomes more... Almost more smooth, like texture-wise. 
Yeah, it's actually, it's got kind of a creamy mouthfeel and it's a slightly lighter medium bodied whiskey, I would say. Mm -hmm. An amber color, like the amber uh, that they found uh, the mosquito in in Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's like that color, but it's probably not quite it's a, that it's old. It's a very specific, like... <laughs> Filmmaker, nerd. <laughs> oh, speaking of movies, we both recently saw a movie that is out. We did, in fact. It's just a little tiny film that, you know, you've probably never heard of in a franchise called, uh, uh, oh, how does it go? <laughs> Something about space. <laughs> space fights? Uh, uh, air battles. <laughs> Uh, Star Trek. <laughs> dun, dun. Oh, man, people just, we just got so unsubscribed. <laughs> it's over. No, we, we both just saw uh, Rise of Skywalker, Episode 9 in the Star Wars saga. We had differing opinions, but that's okay. We'll probably do a Patreon thing where we talk spoilers, but I am very happy that, that so many people really love the film. And so regardless of my personal take on it, I'm happy that uh, that so many people were really well, so many it, people so. hated The Last Jedi and you <laughs> loved it. Frankly, I loved it, too. I thought it was great. Yeah, you did. Um, spoiler alert. We are way cooler than the rest of you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't unsubscribe. Don't unsubscribe. It's a joke. Um, but yeah. It's a joke. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is the first time in a while we've disagreed on, on a film, I think. Um, but that's, that's okay, good. though. That's good. It is healthy. Yeah. I mean, we, dis us. we disagree on eschatology and... You know, sure. So it's all good. <laughs> it is good. It's learning to grow in brotherly love. It's sanctifying. It's, it's, Star Wars is sanctifying. You hear that? <laughs> We're, we got to put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Star Wars sanctifies. Uh, oh so gosh! This is coming out. Um, <coughs> transition. Uh, uh, this is coming out. Uh, New Year's, uh, uh, twenty nineteen, hey. going into twenty twenty. And as all of you know, uh, making New Year's resolutions is a pretty common thing. People often make them and usually fail. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna lose forty pounds this this year. Oh man, I, I gained fifteen pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. People, you know, people, but people love making resolutions. Uh, so we yeah. figured we would do all of you a favor, and we're uh, gonna make some resolutions right now. <laughs> yep, yep. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna actually, in fact, give you a list. Of resolutions, you can if you could do one of these a year, you'd be set for the next seventy years. That's an oddly oddly specific number you have there. I wonder <laughs> what, what could you be alluding to? Did we already allude uh, to this in a previous episode? It's certainly possible. Uh, perhaps some of you have heard of a uh, a character in the history of the church by the name of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. He's known for a thing or two. And <laughs> he made, as a young uh, teenager, uh, which I think is a key important uh, point, uh, he mm. was a young kid when he made uh, a list of 70 resolutions to live by uh, as a Christian. Mm. He says, uh, when he was writing these, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. And then he says to remind himself, remember to read over these resolutions once a week. <laughs> so not only does this teenage kid who, who's a young man of faith write 70 resolutions to live his life by submitting their authority to Christ, but he says to remind himself weekly of it. 
Mm. So forget New Year's resolutions. How about New Week's resolutions? <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> and uh, you guys were around when uh, when Blake and I read the 95 Theses, and I'm sure some of you stuck it out. So I figure eh, it's only 70 resolutions. You know, <laughs> that's not too bad. So uh, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna delve into this. Is there anything you want to say about Mr. Edwards before we we dive in? I just wanted to borrow a quote from a book called Meet the Puritans by Joel Beakey and Randall Pedersen, um, which is basically a giant book of biographies and book reviews about Puritans. And they open their chapter on Edwards by saying, Jonathan Edwards, often called America's greatest theologian and philosopher, and the last Puritan, was a powerful force behind the first great awakening, as well as a champion of Christian zeal and spirituality. Both Christian and secular scholarship concur on his importance in American history. The treasures of Edwards' pen have been mined, pondered, and evaluated to the present day. And then it references some of his more famous works, the Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God sermon, Mm -hmm. uh, the Freedom of the Will. And now we're going to be delving into the 70 resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. I got 70 resolutions in the Pope ain't one. <laughs> and on that note, Justin, lead us in with the first seven. <laughs> Just to mix seven? it up. Uh, okay, seven it is. <laughs> <clears throat> Resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and to my own good profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration without any consideration of the time, whether now or never so many myriads of ages hence, resolved to do whatever I think my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general, resolved to do this whatever difficulties I meet, how many and how great soever. It's number one. (laughs) It's like three in one there. Uh... Uh, Trinity joke inserted here. Uh, three and <laughs> face. Uh, number two, resolved to be continually endeavoring to find out some new invention or contrivance to promote the aforementioned things. In other words, to be creative with how he glorifies God. Three, resolved if I shall fall to grow dull so as to neglect to keep any part of these resolutions to repent of all I can remember when I come to myself again. Repentance, people. It's key. Mm-hmm. Resolved never to do any manner of thing, whether in body or soul, less or more, but what tends to the glory of God, nor be, nor suffer it, if I can avoid it. Number five, resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it to the most profitable way I can. Number six, resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Uh, Number six, my dad actually has taped on the bottom of his computer screen Mm -hmm. uh, to remind himself of uh, these resolutions. And number seven, resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Mm. That's a good one. That's a really that a good, good one. one. Uh, forget YOLO. Yeah, forget YOLO. <laughs> it, should be, it should be YOLT. You only live twice. <laughs> and on that note, numbers That's eight be through... another t-shirt. <laughs> YOLT. YOLT. Eight through 14. I'm going to regret saying seven at a time instead of five, but here we go. (laughs) Number eight, resolved to act in all respects, both speaking and doing, as if nobody had been so vile as I, and as if I had committed the same sins or had the same infirmities or failings as others, and that I will let the knowledge of their failings promote nothing but shame in myself and prove only an occasion of my confessing my own sins and misery to God. Mm. That's legit. Mm. Number nine, resolve to think much on all occasions of my own dying and 
of the common circumstances which attend death. Aye, heavy. Oof. Number 10, resolved when I feel pain to think of the pains of martyrdom and of hell. 11, <laughs> resolved when I think of any theorem in divinity to be solved, immediately to do what I can towards solving it if circumstances don't hinder. And indeed he did. Number 12, resolved if I take delight in it as a gratification of pride or vanity or on any such account immediately to throw it by. Number 13, resolved to be endeavoring to find out fit objects of charity and liberality. And number 14, resolve never to do anything out of revenge. Number 15, resolve never to suffer the least motions of anger to irrational beings. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, 16, resolve never to speak evil of anyone, so that it shall tend to dishonor, to his dishonor, more or less, upon no account except for some real good. Number 17, resolve that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I had come to die. Hmm. 18. Resolve to live at all times, as I think best in my devout frames, and when I have clearest notions of things of the gospel in another world. Number 19. Resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear my last trump. <laughs> uh, man was focused on his last hour, that's for sure. Mm. 20. Resolved to maintain the strictest temperance in eating and drinking. That's an interesting one, but I like yeah. it. Yeah. I like that. 21. Resolve never to do anything, which if I should see in another, I should count a just occasion to despise him for, or to think any way more meanly of him. Number 22. Resolve to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can with all the power, might, vigor, and vehemence, yea, violence I am capable of, or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. 23. Resolved frequently to take some deliberate action which seems most unlikely to be done for the glory of God and trace it back to the original intention, designs, and ends of it. And if I find it not to be for God's glory, to repute it as a breach of the fourth resolution. 24. Resolved whenever I do any conspicuously evil action to trace it back till I come to the original cause and then both carefully endeavor to do so no more and to fight and pray with all my might against the original of it. 25. Resolve to examine carefully and constantly what the one thing in me is which causes me in the least to doubt of the love of God and to direct all my forces against it. 26. Resolve to cast away such things as I find do abate my assurance. Hmm. That's, that's a good one because I feel that has a twofold thing that's all that's dealing on the one hand with the obvious side of sin that pushes us from assurance but also i think on the side of dwelling and getting into this area where we're going beyond what scripture calls us to in godly sorrow leading to repentance and we become like ascetic and beat ourselves up over things to, yeah, beyond what sure. god has called us to god's called us to sorrow over sin to repent and to proclaim to you know confess our sins one to another and say your sins are forgiven you and to walk in assurance of his love for us and not to be but the flip side of that is the other the other obvious piece is sin and 27 resolve never willfully to omit anything except the omission be for the glory of god and frequently to examine my omissions wow 28 <laughs> resolved to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently, as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. 29. Resolve never to count that a prayer, nor to let that pass as a prayer, nor to that as a petition 
of a prayer which is so made that I cannot hope that God will answer it, nor that as a confession which I cannot hope that God will accept it. (laughs) 30. Resolve to strive to my utmost every week to be brought higher in religion and to a higher exercise of grace than I was the week before. 31. Resolve never to say anything at all against anybody, but when it is perfectly agreeable to the highest degree of Christian honor and of love to mankind, agreeable to the lowest humility and sense of my own faults and failings, and agreeable to the golden rule. Often when I have said anything against anyone, to bring it to and try it strictly by the test of this resolution. 32. Resolve to be strictly and firmly faithful to my trust, that that in Proverbs 26, a faithful man who can find, may not be partly fulfilled in me. 33. Resolved always to do what I can towards making, maintaining, and establishing peace, when it can be without overbalancing detriment in other respects. 34. Resolved in narrations never to speak anything but the pure and simple verity. Number 35. Resolved whenever I so much question whether I have done my duty as that my quiet and calm is thereby disturbed, to set it down, and also how the question was resolved. 36. Resolve never to speak evil of any, except I have some particular good to call for it. 37. Resolve to inquire every night as I am going to bed, wherein I have been negligent, what sin I have committed, and wherein I have denied myself, also at the end of every week, month, and year. Whew. Man, if only we all did that. (laughs) My man is dedicated. This is good stuff. 38. Resolve never to speak anything that is ridiculous or matter of laughter on the Lord's Day. This is Sabbatarianism, which we will get into. 39. Resolve never to do anything that I so much question the lawfulness of as that I intend at the same time to consider and examine afterwards, whether it be lawful or no, except I as much question the lawfulness of the omission. And 40. Resolve to inquire every night before I go to bed whether I have acted in the best way I possibly could with respect to eating and drinking. It's interesting that he focuses on eating and drinking now twice. Well, it's it brings to bear the apostles' words, right? Whatever you do, yes. whether you eat or drink, do all unto the glory of God. Mm. And that's a twofold thing. Obviously, we see Jesus says, John and his apostles came fasting and you ridiculed them. And now the Son of Man is here with his disciples and you're calling me a glutton and a drunk. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and in both cases, John and, and his followers, as they were preparing for the coming of the Messiah, they they were doing all to the glory, eating and drinking under the glory of God in their fasting. And Jesus and his disciples, when they were feasting, they were doing it to the glory of God, Amen. right? Yeah. And so it's not a, I don't think it's a setting those two against each other, but recognizing that in both circumstances, it can be done under the glory of God. And that's part of what I think Edwards is getting at here, I, I'm guessing. Okay. All right, take us away. 41, resolved to ask myself at the end of every day, week, month, and year, wherein I could possibly in any respect have done better. 42, resolved frequently to renew my dedication of myself to God, which was made at my baptism, which I solemnly renewed when I was received into the communion of the church, which I have solemnly remade this 12th day of January, 1722-23. 43. Resolved never henceforth till I die to act as if I were any way my own, but entirely and altogether God's, agreeable to what is to be found in Saturday, January 12th, which is his baptism. Mm. 44. Resolved that no other end but religion shall have my any other influence at all on my actions, and that no action shall be, in the least circumstance, any otherwise than the religious end will carry it. Mm. And number 45, resolved never to allow my pleasure or grief, joy or sorrow, nor any affection at all, nor any degree of affection, nor any circumstance relating to it, 
but what helps religion? Mm. Wow. <clears throat> I want to make a point here. I so often frequently hear people say, oh, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. I've rolled my eyes so many times. I say that because as someone who used to say that, it's just simply nonsense. Right. It is religious. It is a religion. Scripture says pure and undefiled religion is this, mm. and then goes on to describe caring for the widow and the orphan. Right. It's our faith in action, yeah. which can only be done truthfully and genuinely through a regenerated heart in mm. Christ. But stop trying to create this dichotomy between religion and Christianity in a relationship with Christ, they're one and the same. Mm. Everything else is false religion, but religion that's true and pure is with Christ. Amen. So I love that. That's so good. Carrying on. Number 46. Resolve never to allow the least measure of any fretting uneasiness at my father or mother. Resolve to suffer no effects of it, so much as in the least alteration of speech or motion of the eye, and especially careful of it with respect to any of our family. It's a commandment issue there. Honor your father and your mother. Mm -hmm. Number 47. Resolve to endeavor to my utmost to deny whatever is not most agreeable to a good and universally sweet and benevolent, quiet, peaceable, contented, easy, compassionate, generous, humble, meek, modest, submissive, obliging, diligent, industrious, and charitable. E oh, he's still going. <laughs> Even patient, moderate, <laughs> forgiving, sincere temper, and to do at all times what such a temper would lead me to do. Examine strictly every week whether I have done so. Ooh. It reminds me of when, uh, I believe it was Paul was saying, strive to be at peace with all mm. men as much as yeah. possible. It's good stuff. 48. Resolve constantly with the utmost niceness and diligence and the strictest scrutiny to be looking into the state of my soul, that I may know whether I have truly an interest in Christ or know that when I come to die, I may not have any negligence respecting this to repent of. Ooh. 49. Resolved that this never shall be if I can help it. And number 50, resolved, I will act so as I think I shall judge would have been best and most prudent when I come into the future world. 51, resolved, so that I will act so in every respect as I think and I shall wish I had done if I should at last be damned. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 52, 52. I frequently hear persons in old age say how they would have lived if they were to live their lives over again. Resolved that I will live just so as I can think I shall wish I had done, supposing I live to old age. Mm. 53. Resolved to improve every opportunity when I'm at the best and happiest frame of mind to cast and venture my soul onto the Lord Jesus Christ, so to trust and confide in Him and consecrate myself wholly to Him, that from this I may have assurance of my safety, knowing that I confide in my Redeemer. Ooh. That's good. <laughs> yes. That reminds yeah. me of a quote that I saw this morning, actually. Here it is from Sinclair Ferguson. My security as a Christian does not reside in the strength of my faith, but in the indestructibility of my Savior. Mm. And that's the same. I mean, you know, we're quoting Edwards here. We'll reference these other people. And I keep finding as I read Edwards and Owen and some of these Puritans and some of the reformers and contemporary writers is the ones who strike me the most powerfully are the ones who are just repeating what's been taught in Holy Scripture. Like we're like, right. oh, this is this is like what Paul said. This is like what Jesus said, because ultimately every generation is now what we're supposed to do. Teach these words to your children and to your grandchildren that it would be well with you in the land. That's what Moses told the people in Israel. Jesus says, bring the little children to me. Every generation, we're passing these truths on to the next generation. And so it's, I think it's amazing as we've been going through this and continue to, as we see these godly men of yesteryear. And what inspires us most is how they've applied these truths of Scripture into their context and how we're trying to do the same. Anyways, that's an aside. That's a yeah. side note, but it yeah. just struck me on that one there. It's a good one, though. Yeah. 
No, it's great. Good stuff. 54. Whenever I hear anything spoken in commendation of any person, if I think it would be in praiseworthy in me, resolved to endeavor to imitate it. In 55, resolved to endeavor to my utmost to act as I think I should do if I had already seen the happiness of heaven and hell torments. Mm. 56. Resolved never to give over nor in the least to slacken my fight with corruptions, however unsuccessful I may be. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to reread that. Just resolved never to yeah. give over nor in the least to slacken my fight with my corruptions, however unsuccessful I may be. Mm. Wow. That's really powerful. Now I just want to go pick up his Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God and read that and then read uh, John <laughs> Owen's Mortification of Sin. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 57. Resolved when I fear misfortunes and adversities to examine whether I have done my duty and to resolve to do it and let it be just as providence orders it. I will, as far as I can, be concerned about nothing but my duty and my sin. 58. Resolve not only to refrain from an air of dislike, fretfulness, and anger in conversation, but to exhibit an air of love, cheerfulness, and benignity. Hard word for me to say, but we got there. 59. (laughs) Resolved when I am most conscious of provocations to ill nature and anger that I will strive most to feel and act good-naturedly. Yea, at such times to manifest good nature, though I think that in other respects it would be disadvantageous, and so as would be imprudent at other times. And 60, resolved whenever my feelings begin to appear in the least out of order, when I am conscious of the least unease within or the least irregularity without, I will then subject myself to the strictest examination. 61, resolved that I will not give way to the listlessness, which I find unbends and relaxes my mind from being fully and fixedly set on religion, whatever excuse that I may have for it, that what my listlessness inclines me to do is best to be done. 62. Resolve never to do anything but duty, and that according to Ephesians 6, 6-8, through 8, do it willingly and cheerfully, as unto the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good thing any man doth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. 63. On the supposition that there never was to be but one individual in the world, at any one time, who is properly a complete Christian, in all respects of a right stamp, having Christianity always shining in its true luster, and appearing excellent and lovely, from whatever part and under whatever character viewed, resolve to act just as I would do if I strove with all my might to be that one who should live in my time. Mm. (laughs) Wow. 64. Resolve that when I find those groanings which cannot be uttered, of which this apostle speaks in Romans 8, 26, and those breaking of soul for the longing it vent my desires, nor of the repetitions of such earnestness. Mm. 65. Resolve very much to exercise myself in all my life long. With the greatest openness I am capable of to declare my ways to God and to lay open my soul to him, all my sins, temptations, difficulties, sorrows, fears, hopes, desires, and everything and every circumstance, according to Dr. Manton's 27th sermon on the 119th Psalm. Mm. In the last five, starting with 66, resolved that I will endeavor always to keep a benign aspect and an air of acting and speaking in all places and in all companies, except it should so happen that duty requires otherwise. 67. Resolved after afflictions to inquire what I am the better for them, what good I have got by them, and what I might have got by them. 68. Resolved to confess frankly to myself all that which I find in myself, whether infirmity or sin. And if it be what concerns religion, also to confess the whole case to God and implore needed help. 69. Resolved always to do that which I shall wish I had done when I see others do it. 70. Let there be something of benevolence 
in all that I speak. And all God's people said, <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> wow. So I noticed a couple of themes throughout there. Same. A lot of it was deeply introspective as far as continually examining mm. himself and comparing himself to the standards that are set forth in Scripture. Yeah. I think that in the same way that when we, for example, break bread and have communion, we are to examine ourselves mm -hmm. in light of God and God's commands and to just, you know, really sit down and take time to realign where we're at with God's law and his precepts. Yeah. So that's one thing. Aside from that, he focuses a lot on his actions lining up with what his heart's deepest desire desire is in Christ, which is to align himself with Christ. Mm. There's a real reverence, I think, for what God's law has put forth for a standard, mm. and then how he can align himself with that yeah. more than just knowledge, but action mm. being put into place. Well, and that's part of what Paul says to us, right? In the epistle to the Romans, in the 12th chapter, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, mm. that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And we see later in Hebrews, the word of God being this sharper than any double-edged sword, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we, we touched on this many episodes ago, but I think it bears repeating that as Edwards was doing here, we need to be examining ourselves and daily renewing our minds. And what do we renew our minds with? The word of God, right? And how do we grow? We measure our lives against the standards set by God and his word. And by his grace, by his spirit, we're empowered to live it and able to grow in, in holiness. And that's something I'm finding in uh, the Puritan writings that I'm starting to encounter, whether it's Edwards or Owen or Flavel. There is such a zeal for holy living. And these are reform, like, you know, these are the people that get, we get caricatured for saying, well, it's all predestined or God, you know, so why would you bother, you know, doing anything about it? And yet these people who are so impassioned about holiness and repentance also believed in total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints. Yeah. And so the two are not only not opposite, but they're necessary. I think they complete one another. You can't have, right. truly, I don't think you can have one without the other, because I think on the one hand, if you just rest on election and preservation of the saints and you neglect all the calls to repentance and you write them off, then you have missed, you've completely missed the mark and you need to repent. And on the flip side, if you become a pietist and you say, well, I have to do all these things in order for God to love me and in order to, to be saved, then you've also, that you've got, you know, you're, you're two extremes of the same thing where yeah. you're misapplying the gospel. And I say that because I did that for so long. Sure. And sure. I think it's easy for me to, I mean, you, you could probably say similar. It's like, it's easy to say, to speak to that because I've been there. And that's part of why I find this journey so refreshing as I'm finding these authors and this rich tradition and heritage in the Christian faith is we have a great assurance in Christ Jesus. And we also have these amazing calls to repentance and holiness because we've been saved from sin unto good works, we're told in Ephesians 2, right? Right. Well, I think a lot of that comes from the way we understand God's sovereignty and the way we understand the fact that when our hearts are changed, the inevitable result is action. Mm -hmm. We can't truly have a renewed heart and a regenerated heart and continue to be the same as we've been. Amen. So there's this active work of the Holy Spirit in our life, which causes our hearts to desire Christ more and therefore to want to be more like him and to emulate him and to emulate those who emulate mm. him. Like Paul says, imitate me only as I imitate Christ. Amen. So we have this new heart, which essentially our, our sole desire becomes at that point upon regeneration is Christ. He, he becomes our sole desire. And so the necessary result of that is not a dead faith. Mm. <laughs> like James says, faith without works is dead. But why is mm. that? Well, if the faith is in us, 
the works are going to come out of us. And it's all just this wonderful work of God to glorify him so that we can't boast about it, but we also can't be idle about it either. Mm. And so it's no surprise that those who have this incredible view of God's sovereignty and understand God for how holy he is and how depraved we are, it's no wonder then our result is to then want to do everything we possibly can to please our mm. king, you know? Yeah. And I can't imagine doing that out of a constant fear that I might go to hell or lose my salvation. Right. I can't imagine that would be more stress than anything yeah. else. That wouldn't be, I wouldn't be getting joy mm. out of pleasing right. God because I would be just doing it out of yeah. fear. <laughs> but I can do it knowing that my salvation will not be lost because God will not lose even one of his sheep, mm. like John 6 says. So I know that I won't be lost and therefore the works that I'm doing to please Christ, I know are going to be pleasing to mm. Christ and I will enjoy participating in those things because yeah. it's all for his glory mm. and, and not for any other purpose. Mm, that's good stuff, man. Well, this has been, I think, a really wonderful way to close out 2019. Coming up next, we've got the rest of our Solas series, Sola Fide, Solas Christus, Sola Scriptura, and Soli Deo Gloria. We've pre-recorded a couple of those, so those will be rolling out over the next couple of weeks, and then we'll be starting into some new stuff. So stay tuned for that. And Justin, you want to roll us out? Thank you guys so much for listening. Check us out on all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Distilling Theology, Twitter, Distilling Tea, and go on to our website, distillingtheology.com. You can join our mailing list. You can join us on Patreon to see all this fun video footage, extra content, early releases, all kinds of good stuff on there, as well as be prepared for some future giveaways when we finally have some merch oh, and shoot. things like that, like these really cool Distilling Theology glasses, these Glen Cairns, and all kinds of fun stuff. So thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful new year. We hope that you take some of these resolutions and apply them to your life. Hmm. And uh, 2020 is going to be for the glory of God. Amen. See you next year, brother. Oh, see you next decade. Oh, <laughs> and they got a dad joke. <laughs>